some. Sports in Nebraska is more like a religion. And for those devout followers, there's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz. On 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and the Zone app. Church of the Corn starts now. Here are Zach, Alex, and Fitz. What is going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. Hello? Oh, sorry. On 1620 The Zone. Stop messing with the mic. Well, I just turned it a little bit. Sorry. Uh, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. It keeps cutting out on me. We'll figure it out during okay. commercial break. All right, that works. Sorry. Uh, Drake and Zach here. Um, so if you want to join in the conversation, give us a call. <laughs> yeah, if you want to join in the conversation, give us a call. 402-951-1620. Are you good over there, Sunshine? I, I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Uh, news of the day. Uh, Nebraska gets a big win, obviously, in Iowa City. Uh, could have been a little bit – could have been less stressful towards the end. It was a great win. It was a great win. It's always great when you take down the Hawkeyes and Kinnick, uh, especially after losing seven years in a row. Yeah, uh, it was nice to break that streak, get that monkey off our backs, and it, it, it couldn't be a better way to go into the offseason. The dynasty starts now. Uh, offseason national champs already awarded. It's time to rule the offseason. Really oh, wish I could man. claim that I came up with that, but I wasn't clever enough. Someone beat me to the punch. We'll break that down a little bit later in the show as well. Yeah. But, uh, uh, one thing I wanted to get to, too, before we dive too much into football. Um, I just saw a report this morning that uh, defensive specialist Kenzie Knuckles may have suffered a season-ending knee injury last night. Oh, that's uh, that's huge, especially uh, yeah, that's that that's big. Nebraska's gone through their struggles this season anyway, and I I still think they'll they'll be where they should be at the end of the year in the, in the um, tournament, but. I, I don't know if they can stand to take too many more big losses injury wise. Yeah, and it it seems like they're battling adversity at the wrong time of the season right now. Uh but if there's any coach in any sport uh in all of college that I trust to at least get them ready to move forward, it is John Cook. Yeah, he's uh that's actually the best coach on campus, no matter what any former A D said a few years back. You mean Diaka's wonderful hair. Diacomania. God, he had the best hair in the program's history. Um, yeah, no. I, so I do got a question for you since we are talking about John Cook. Okay. Do you think this is the last year or how many years do you think he's got left? I mean, he's Ooh. getting up there in age. He's not going to take over the AD spot. Trev's there for that. But he's got to be involved. Is he, in- though? Is he? I mean, I would argue that if uh... – if Trev doesn't nail this football hire, he might not be there in two years. Well, that's a good possibility. I, I would say three or four, but I get what you're saying. You only get one chance to make that hire unless it's a good hire. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I'm leaning with this. Uh, but no, I think I think John Cook has realistically 
five years left potentially. He ha- he has as much time as he wants. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's got, he's almost on the Bill Self deal where it's just hey, you got a lifetime contract, you coach as long as you want to, but I would have to be guessing a succession plan would have to be in the works at this point. Do you think John Cook wants a heir apparent like T.O. did, or is John Cook going to trust the athletic director to replace him? That's a great question. I, I I would like to say John Cook has seen that plan fail and realizes it's not the move, but who knows at this point? I would say the it's got to be a Nebraska person taking over for a Nebraska guy doesn't necessarily always work. So I would say that he would trust Trev to search out and get the best candidate. I mean, some of his best best assistant coaches and best former players are either head coaches at other schools or now coaching at other schools. They're not, they don't. And this is what the, I said this about Tim miles for basketball. You can look at Tim miles record and you can say whatever you want, but a, he had that program solidified finally right before he left and B his assistants were always leaving for better jobs. And to me, that's the mark of a good coach. And you could say the same thing about John cook. So I I think there's a lot of volleyball coaches out there if John Cook decides to retire anytime soon, including people that have left his staff for other places that would love to come back and take over for him. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. He's got such a wide coaching tree at this point that why wouldn't you do a national coaching search? I mean, it's not like Nebraska volleyball is where Nebraska football is. You're going to have the na- every name on the book that right. wants to come here. I mean, is when Nick Saban retires from Alabama, they're going to do a national coaching search. They're not just going to grab somebody on that current staff. You can't tell me if Kirby Smart doesn't want to take over for Nick Saban, they're not going to let him. It, well, exactly. Your Dabos, your your Kirbys, your just name any other name under the sun. Uh, you have to do a national coaching search at that point because just looking inward to just bring in and promote somebody on staff – doesn't you do any good at that? Doesn't do you any good at that point? We're, we're the position that Mickey was in is a completely different situation than a brand new filling in for Nick Saban would be. Yeah. I mean, there's no one you're going to bump up and say, okay. Nebraska is a much more difficult job. Oh, 100%. We, we have where way higher now. expectations. and Yeah. With national titles every year, and there's yeah. there's nothing else that'll, that'll suffice. Yeah. But um, what, what did you think about, so we'll get a little bit more on the game here, uh, against Iowa yesterday. What did you think about the first half compared to the second half? Um, as far as the second half goes, I, I guess my, <clears throat> for me, it was hard to determine if in the second half, we just let our foot off the gas, uh, off the gas or Iowa really stepped up. Because at times, Iowa was still struggling to move the ball. They didn't score their first points until late in the second, late in the third quarter. I just, I feel like Nebraska took their foot off the gas and they could have really put this one away early, which is something that I've been asking for all year. When you have the opportunity to put somebody away, could have done it against Minnesota. Theoretically, could have done it against Illinois. Could have done it against Iowa yesterday. Should have done it to Northwestern three different times. Like, And yesterday looked like it was just going to be a repeat of that incident where, hey, we didn't we didn't put our foot on the gas and, and stomp them into the dirt, and they came back and won. 
there we go. Yeah, it just seems like there's kind of a lack of a killer instinct right now. Yeah. And and, and that's a problem. I, I don't know where that comes from, whether it be a lack of belief in, in what's being coached or taught, or if it's the uh, maybe just the lack of ability to close because you haven't done it before. Well, I think yesterday was was too I think yesterday was more of a coaching thing and I think it was Mickey getting Whipple under his thumb for the first time completely and saying, "Hey, we got to run out the clock. We got to go ball control." But they started it too early. And that's just something that Mickey's going to learn with more experience as the head guy if he's not on staff this next year. And if he is on staff this next year, I, I believe you got to start the grooming process of him being a head coach, and that's got to be part of the reason he stays. Yeah, I, I I feel like, obviously, I don't feel like he's going to be the next coach here, but I do feel like he's such an important piece of whatever you're trying to build here at the university and let him put his hands on everything and anything. Um his familiarity with a lot of the players and the relationship building he's done in such a short time here has got to be a key component to why the next coaches are going to want to keep him around. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is he a great relationship builder, he's a hell of a coach. What he's been able to do with Trey this year, I mean, it's impressive. Now, I don't know how much that was on him or the uh, the interim wide receiver coach. I Steve, I can't remember his last name. I know it starts with a C. Um but they've done a hell of a job without receiving core and 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 Trey really. Um, I mean he he set the record this year. Yeah, uh, Trey Trey was outstanding, and that's with you know playing multiple quarterbacks because we couldn't keep Casey protected. That's that's a lot on just two guys, right? That's Casey and Trey making big plays consistently um, because they didn't get a lot of help elsewhere. If I were to tell you, because we're going to do just a whole segment on Trey, but I just want to ask you one question. If I were to tell you two games ago that Trey Palmer at the end of the year is still going to set the receiving record, would you think I was out of my mind? No. He was no. he was still 200-plus yards away at that point. Well, so yeah, two games ago. I mean, I've been, I've been wondering if it was a possibility basically since Illinois. Um, obviously from Illinois on his numbers were down, but going into yesterday, he was still only 115 ish yards away. Um, and I, I thought he definitely could get that against Iowa because we were going to force feed him the ball like we did yesterday. And, and you have to, that's what one thing that Whipple said in the, now, if you would have told me we were going to go four and eight on the year and he would break that record, I would, have. if you would have told me that at the start of the season, I would have said some profanities I can't say on air, uh, calling you a crazy person. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you cannot say profanities on the air, Drake. Good job. <laughs> we learned that last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's – to say that we would have gone 4-8 and eight and he still broke the record, I think it was 1,047 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, incredible feat. And, and with three quarterbacks playing at different points of the year – by the way, didn't score his first touchdown until week four against Oklahoma. Wow. I, I think that was the most surprising part of his season to me. Yeah, because it just seemed like he was involved early enough in the season that he had to at least get one. But 
Garcia Castaneda had one. Yep, I, I remember that in uh, Ireland. Yeah, up and over. Um, Volkolek had a couple. I'm trying to think who had who got them all. I mean, Casey had some running touchdowns on the goal line. Was yesterday Casey's best game? Ugh. Yes and no. I mean, I I put Purdue up there just because of what him and Trey did together, but I know he had two turnovers in that game. But just like Purdue, uh, yesterday he was inches away from turnovers on a couple. Had one that hit uh, DeGene's uh, fill-in right in the hands yeah, and dropped it. So that was that was a sign of things to come. Maybe Nebraska was destined to win that game. When you're down a start well, cornerback. Trey, Trey made a great play on that ball. Is that the one? Because I know it hit the guy in the hands, but maybe Trey tipped it a bit. Trey Trey came back into the play. It was he? it was underthrown by about eight, eight uh, yeah, yards. Yeah, it, it was a bad throw. <clears throat> it was. He was throwing it into the wind. But, um, man, if if Casey isn't throwing that into the wind. That that's a touchdown. Oh, 100%. Well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Um, when we return, we're going to break down the game a little bit more for the next segment here on 1620 The Zone. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing on 1620 The Zone. R.I.P. to, uh, which Power Ranger was it? Tommy. Tommy. The white slash green one. I'm not going to lie, that the white costume was pretty pretty sweet. I remember it when that came dope. out. It was pretty dope. Wish I had, they made grown-up versions of that. I'd run around in it right now doing the show. I'm not going to say that they don't. There's everything on Amazon. I'm about to Google it. <laughs> That's how I'm gonna show up to the show next week too. Let's talk. Let's talk a little more Iowa, Nebraska. We'll break that down a little Nerds. bit more. Shut up. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. An icon of your childhood didn't die. We're the same age, are we? I have no idea how old you are. You and I are the same age. We yeah. worked at the same place at 16. Oh yeah, that's true. I guess we did. I guess I have known you for like 15 years now. So that's touche. Well. <laughs> Nebraska. Do you guys think I'm as old as Fitz? What's going on? Well, he's like 63. He likes cream corn. Yeah, that one's. He likes Murder She Wrote and all that. Well, yeah, like, Matlock, but talks about the story. <laughs> Why do you guys think all of a sudden we had different childhoods? I don't know. I, I just figured you guys were a little older than me. It's because you weren't as affected by the yeah. Power Ranger dying as we were. Ugh. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, Nebraska four and eight on the season. They did cap the they did cap it off by beating the Hawkeyes once again. Um, probably the biggest rival on the schedule. Wisconsin's up there, maybe. Yeah, okay, but so, I would have to say Iowa is the game you want. I uh, I I've been on record, including on a podcast with Jeffrey the Greek, saying I did not consider this an a rivalry because I didn't hate Iowa. They. Yeah, I don't hate Iowa. I look at him as, I don't know. No, I hate him now. Oh, okay. I hate him now. I, I changed my tune after about week four. See, I, I hated Iowa previously. Now I'm kind of like, eh. But that being said, I still hate P.J. Fleck and Wisconsin more. Yeah, I don't like Fleck. Fleck is a guy that, for some reason, I cannot get past him beating Nebraska. That pisses me off. Yeah. Not I, so much Iowa, not so much Wisconsin even. Right. Uh, there's something about... 
P.J. Fleck running down the sideline at the end of every quarter. God, I hope he trips one time. That'd be yeah. amazing. Has to get another facelift or whatever he had done. It's Botox. Yeah. What? Whatever. I mean, what, whatever floats your boat. No, it's row the boat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> thanks for the, the, the bad drums. Um, yeah, Fleck, Fleck is a guy that. I'm, I'm watching the replay. And we've made mention of it. Why can't we return a punt? There's a lot of questions I had yesterday. That was one of them. Um, the other one is why can't a running back put their foot in the ground and go north and south? Ramir did a phenomenal job at that. I mean, he got the yards that were there. As, yeah. As a Nebraska running back, I I get it. It would, it's, It'll work against lesser competition. Bouncing around. It's not a lot of less competition in the Big Ten right now. That's it's, it's very equal. So bouncing it outside the pocket or, or you know taking lanes that aren't there, you can't do that in the Big Ten. You got to take the three and four yards that are ahead of you. So yesterday there was a couple of runs. I I know specifically who you're talking about here with Anthony Grant, but there was a couple of runs where there was actually a pulling lineman, and we've talked about this at nauseum. We need quicker linemen because Anthony Grant is out running the puller. By three to five yards. Yes. And that's why he's being forced to try and cut back early because the linemen aren't getting out there and doing their job. Um, Which at our guard, guard spots, I'm, I'm going to be honest, before the year started, I thought we had guards that had good enough footwork to be able to pull, and I could not have been more wrong. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really depressing to watch that. Um, but you know what yesterday did for me? Most of all, it just made me more angry that Ramirez Johnson was not a part of this offense early on in the year. Every time he touched the ball, it seemed like he was getting a minimum of about three yards when he put his shoulders down and went forward. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, in the big 10, you have to take those those body blows, you have to take those three and four yard runs when you can get them because it sets you up to a second manageable third and short. Nebraska is not talented enough right now or disciplined enough to be able to get out of the way of shooting themselves in the foot. No, they have to play sound football and do what Iowa usually does. Don't kill yourself. Let the other team play into mistakes. The fact that we won the turnover battle four to one yesterday and still almost lost the game just tells you how far behind we really are and being a, a, in terms of being able to put a game away. Oh, exactly. I, well, I talked, I was talking to a lot of Iowa fans during the uh, game yesterday and you know, they were kind of, I don't, they weren't bashing their team, but they were just kind of confused as was I watching the game. But one thing I said is why are they getting away from running the ball? Run the ball. It's still in the first half, run the ball. You will come back. Nebraska has shown a propensity to not being able to stop the run. Yeah, something there was something weird in that Brian and Kirk Ferentz game plan where they were trying to get out of tendency early on in the game. You want to beat Nebraska by passing the ball? Great. Be my guest. Um, Please do. Since when did Iowa decide that they could beat somebody by passing the ball? I mean... That, that was the most puzzling thing. With a quarterback that's been pretty pretty good all year... Uh, and Spencer Petrus, yeah, see what I did there? Wasn't going to let you win. But everybody knows I already won this. This is not true. Spencer Petrus is arguably the worst quarterback in the conference, 
and you said you liked him better than Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford. And I'm doubling down on it, too. No, you're not. Yes, I am. There's no way you're that stupid. I'm friends with you, aren't I? I guess I am that stupid. Okay. All right, um, Clark. <laughs> Go ahead. You sure, Clark? <laughs> I guess he didn't play his best game yesterday, you know, rolling that shoulder like he did. But I, I want to go back to the running backs for a second. So maybe this is an offensive line thing. Maybe this is a running back thing. I, I don't know. It, do you put it more on the offensive line, the running back vision, or the play call? If you had to pick one of the three, where would you place a lot of the blame on? I think, oof. I know it's tough, but I, I've got one. I, I'm putting more of the problems, uh, not necessarily on, on vision, but running back execution as a whole. Uh, just because you saw Ramir be so much more effective than Anthony Grant yesterday. And, you know, we've said it all year. Imagine if Anthony Grant isn't getting hit by the first guy two and three yards deep. Because he's great at making the first guy miss. But, so yeah, offensive line obviously helps this, but I, I've said it all year, these guys are missing holes. I, I think Ramir Johnson and Jay Allen have been the best two running backs on the roster all year. Yeah. And you've only seen Ramir Johnson for like a game and a half. I think before yesterday's game, he only had eight carries on the year. Eight. That's not even one per game. No. Um, AJ Allen, I do think, you know, before going into the season, I thought he's a true freshman. God, he's highly recruited. He's built like a, he's built like a brick, you know. But uh, and it, it, being able to run the way he does as a true freshman, it, he runs like a Big Ten running back. Yeah. Um, him breaking the collarbone may have been the biggest injury all year, and I'm putting that above Prohaska. Yeah, I'd agree. I just partly because I don't think one offensive lineman fixes that. That group. No, no. That that offensive lineman is five five guys away from being fixed, and I would yeah. say even ten. Um, yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm just I'm watching Anthony Grant right here just bounce. He had he had a three yard gain and turned it into a four yard loss. Yeah, exactly. I I do remember that play, and it it's things like that that make you watch and go, what what the hell is going on? I I would put a lot of it on the offensive line, just not being able to be fleet footed to go be able to go laterally. Um, recognition seems like a, a big problem as well. You've seen multiple times on third down and long. Iowa flat out showed you they're going to go all out blitz with a, with zero safety help over top. Most of the time off the right end came a free rusher. Mm -hmm. That's on Casey to be able to recognize that and see it, but it's also on you got to slide your protection. You've got to do something to give yourself two seconds. He wasn't getting that. Yeah, no, for sure. So I feel like that offensive line, um, somehow as the year has gone on, has gotten worse, in my view. Um, well, a lot uh, of the so, things we've seen the last couple games, especially that we've talked about, blocking guys with your hips and your your thighs, not laying a hand on them, things like that. This is a little frustrating to hear in, you know, game twelve. So two two parts of that. Um, one, obviously, they're playing much better defenses late in the year, um, but. Two, I, apart from a couple of plays yesterday, I actually thought the offensive line had one of their better games. I cannot think of a play where our running back was running into a hole and the offensive lineman was turned around looking at him, which I've seen every game this year. It's so sad in college football that that's what we're 
That's what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, so many times I've tweeted out, hey, uh, so-and-so, why are you looking at the running back behind you instead of getting downfield to the next guy? Makes your head hurt a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I'm pretty sick thinking about it right now. Um, well, let's do this. I got something that will make you feel a lot better in the next segment. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return to the Church of the Corn, we're going to break down Trey Palmer's big night and big year. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Back to Church of Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and FCC Trucking. Let's talk about our guy Trey. Trey Palmer. Transfer from LSU. He woke up pissed off he woke more up. than ever. Man, he was pissed off yesterday. He looked good. Uh, um, nine receptions, 165 yards, two touchdowns, and the longest pass play in eight years for 87 yards. Is that the longest pass play since Quincy and Nunwa? I think so, which is against Georgia. It was 99, wasn't it, I believe? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, eight years. Uh, and it, against the Hawkeyes, I mean, that's that's pretty sweet considering the Hawkeyes defense is regarded as one of the best in the country, holding, I believe, opponents to 13 points or less on average. Top five defense in the country. Uh, our, man, it, it was so fun to watch. And for his greatest, excuse me, for his greatest Trey has been all year and how much we appreciated him, are we going to look back on his year here three years from now and say, man, what could have been if we had XYZ to go with it? Oh, 100%. I feel like he's the biggest, and you can't say waste of talent because that's not fair because he was, he was showcased at every opportunity. But I feel like the team around him and the situation he was put into it was the biggest waste of his talent um, because he is such a dynamic receiver. And you see what he's able to do literally being a one-man wrecking crew out there. Yeah, I mean, he obviously deserves to play for a team that is going to a bowl game, has the potential to potentially be in the playoff. I mean, he's that good. Um, he's abs- He is everything that he was – advertised with and you don't and more you, exactly I, I think they got two guys on roster that that were everything that you expected them to be when they transferred in O'Shawn Mathis and Trey Palmer yeah O'Shawn another huge day yesterday he, he's gotten better as the year's going on and he was very good early in the year too. yeah you know I the problem for O'Shawn unfortunately at least in terms of fan appreciation is so much of what he did doesn't show up on the stat sheet Everybody wants to see sacks. Everyone uh, wants to see tackles for loss. Yeah, and so I I tried to go out of my way early on to like point things out that he would do, whether it was shut down a screen by reading it or turn it. Uh, he turning looks the like a basketball back player in. out there, the way he's able to get vertical on those screen passes. Yeah, he's great. Um, man, I love I'd love it if we could get them both back for another year. Um, do you think we get both back? Oof. And let me add another one. Do you think Thompson comes back? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I feel like last night was a swan song. Thompson's 
gonna have his master's degree right by the end of this semester. Essentially, do you want to start another He's one? He's gonna be twenty five. I don't think he goes to the league though. I think he tries. I think he tries. I don't think he does. I think he may um and, and no slight to him. Um I but I think he may end up in maybe Canadian football or uh, maybe the uh, USFL. I feel like he could be a guy that could thrive in a lesser league, you know, get the reps, different things like that, and then possibly move his way up down the line. He's got tools. Yeah, I, I could see him ending up on a practice roster for, for a year or two. Uh, I mean, Tanner Lee did it. That's what I was going to say. He had, he'd take the Tanner Lee approach. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on, man. Chase Daniel's still in the league. I think he's... I, I think it's like a million dollars a pass he's completed. So he's he's living a pretty good life yeah. in, in the in the pros. Um so he's he's honestly the uh the all time rece- reception leader in a season with one thousand forty three yards, uh topping Stanley Morgan Jr. I feel like talent wise, he's a better receiver than Stanley. Um just just because I, I think Trey's a freak athlete. Do you think? Well, they're two totally different types of receivers. They are, but just trying to do a comparison between the two, I think uh, you know Palmer's a little bit more of a freak athlete. Stanley's your traditional outside receiver, where you're going to throw him the ball. You're not going to involve him too much in the run game, where you would like a Trey Palmer. Do you think that Palmer? Well, let's say this: Palmer goes pro. You think he's a first or second? round pick with what we've seen this season. I don't think so. Okay. Um even if he runs a we'll say a four three at the combine. I I just I don't think so. I, I think he had too many easy passes dropped on film. Um now would I be surprised if he made it into the second round? No. Um I just we haven't had anybody drafted up up there so i just i don't expect that to change this year i'm gonna flip this over to basketball there's a teddy allen played in nebraska great score right there's something to be said about being far and away the best player on a really bad team than being one of the best players on a really good team it's always a good interview question by the way too that people ask you yeah and so i i really feel like trey is going to be hurt in his draft stock by the lack of success from the team for the whole year. I could see that. It's not like we were throwing up a ton of points and losing because of defense. We were losing all around. Yeah, it was an all-around team effort in a lot of these losses. Um, You you know, his, his last two games, 13 receptions, 212 yards, and four touchdowns. Incredible two games against two really good defenses in which Nebraska has traditionally struggled in Iowa and Wisconsin. You know, he's I, – I really do wonder if this was the last time we've seen him. I put something out last night about it that, hey, if this was the last time we've seen him in Scarlet and Cream, thanks for everything you did. Um, I don't know if we'll see a receiver as talented as he is here in a while. Even with Mickey out there recruiting. Yeah, they I don't, mean – They don't grow Trey Palmers on trees. No, and – you know, you obviously you could say, "Hey, we had Trey Palmer, Justin Jefferson, and uh, Chase, Chase all come through LSU for Mickey." That's a totally different animal than 
than what we're about to see. Those those guys were SEC talents. They wanted to play in the SEC. The Big Ten is not built for receivers like that yet. I think we're trending that way as a conference. Outside of your Ohio State, who's got those top caliber receivers. Yeah. Everyone else is kind of – even at Michigan right now is – probably two or three rungs below what Ohio State is. Yeah, I mean, you could convince me that Nebraska had the second best receiver room in the Big Ten. I think before season maybe, but I think with the two or three guys that showed up constantly, I don't know. But those two or three guys are in the top part of the league. Yeah, I, get, I mean, your Palmer single-handedly alone brings that room mm-hmm. up. Washington, it just seemed like they couldn't ever figure out a way to get him involved in the game. Alante Brown. I think it was lack of trying. I think so too. Uh, Alante Brown was another guy where it's, it's he's a jitterbug. We we can't figure out a way to get him the ball. The one thing that um, uh, Oliver Martin, Oliver Martin down the field. I mean, they they tried um, just inaccurate passing yesterday. The one thing I am surprised about is the little they're not tunnel screens essentially, but those swing passes were working. Um. I, I would have loved to, you know, fake that swing pass, go over top. Uh, I think that would have set Fake the bubble wheel route? Yep, exactly. It's, it's a great way to do it, and it's tricked many a defense. And you've got the guy out there that can do it because he runs a 4-3. Um, yeah, especially, you know, you hit that hit that a couple of times. Um, the only problem with that is the guy that we're throwing all those bubbles to is also the guy that you want to be running the wheel route. You got to flip that a little bit. Yeah, um, and, and that's kind of where I'm. But I, I could have lived with. Marcus Washington running the wheel route, or you know what? I'd be okay with that. The kid seems to have some wheels underneath him. I just, I, it's interesting that Washington and Thompson played together at at Texas, and we didn't see more of that connection pop this year. I really thought we would have. Yeah, I again, I think it's so much force feeding Trey the ball. It's smart. I mean, Whipple said it before the season, we're going to feed our best player the ball. Yeah, I just. I think you could have had better results as the op- for the offense as a whole if at times you would have used him as a decoy. Uh, I agree. You, you've got guys out there that have shown the propensity to be able to catch the ball. Why not give the defense four guys to worry about as opposed to just one and the other three? Okay, well, we're going to keep a guy on him, but we got to bracket or go banjo coverage over here. Yeah, you, I, I've, I've been very vocal about this. Alante Brown needed to be involved in, in the game plan. Way more than he was. Yeah, I, he's a guy that I just I now I know he played uh, quarterback in high school, so he's a raw guy coming out. But he's a hell of an athlete, shown the ability to get out there, shown the ability to make plays. I I don't know why we haven't seen him. I mean, I guess I could say that about a lot of guys. He's out there almost every down though. Can't tell me that the guy's not breaking open once or twice a game. Yeah, and I mean. We can go back to Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, who is no longer with the team. It's weird. Like, the problems I have with the wide receiver room this year, I've had for the last five years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a steady thing we've seen, right? Like, Even with Xavier different coaches. Betts should have been getting more reps when he was with the program, in my opinion. Um, you know, there's guys that... I didn't think should be on the field very clearly, and they were always on the field in crunch time until this late in this season. Just, I don't know, man. The The wide receiver rotation 
is something that has never made sense to me in the last eight years here. It makes my head hurt. Well, let's do this. Let's take another break here. When we return, we're going to get into our coach's conclave here on 1620 The Zone. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. What do you call that thing where they pick the new pope? Are you talking about a conclave? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for this week's edition of Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and FCC Trucking here on 1620 The Zone. we got our coaches conclave. If you want to join in the conversation, give us a call, 402-951-1620 as well. Woo. Start us off. Conrad, why don't you start us off? Gladly. Piracy is just one of many subjects Leach researches in his free time. The full list is like a personal card catalog. Are we getting a documentary? Let's see, whales, bears, chimp- uh, no, whales, grizzly bears, chimpanzees, sharks, Australia, Daniel Boone. There isn't really a specific way to do the tango. Geronimo, the guy always leads. Apache Indians in general, just overall. Wyatt Earp, I don't like to dance. Doc Holliday, because I'm self-conscious. Kind of gravitating a little towards uh, Vikings and George Washington. Went through a little bit of a Napoleon phase. Mike Leach. Mike Leach for head coach. Mike Leach for president. Mike Leach for senator. Mike Leach to Nebraska. Mike Leach for king of this country. My God, he's a national treasure. Mike Leach for the new pope. He is... is, uh... For the press conferences alone, I, I want him as the next head coach. Yeah. Um, also coming off a win over rival Ole Miss. Your boy, Lane Kiffin, the train is stopped. It is off the rails. He told everybody he is uh, he's going to be toot, staying in toot. Ole Miss. He, oh, so glad let that's me, a drop. Let me, uh, let me back up. Lane said he plans to remain in Ole Miss if Auburn offers him the job. He has not said anything about if Nebraska offers him. God, I would love that so much if Lane could come up here. Yeah, it's not happening. It's 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 not going to happen. I'm I'm well aware of that. But is it more likely that Mike Leach comes up or Lane Kiffin comes up? I'm going to flip this on I you. I mean, ten, ten years from now, there ain't, ain't going to be anybody talk to anybody. You know, it's going to be this. You know. Do you want to go out on a date with me? I don't know. What do you look like? Well, I look kind of like this. Okay, well, what are your interests? Well, what do you think my interests are? Uh, Looking into this thing and typing into this, just like yours are. Well, yeah, no kidding. That's what everybody's doing. Yeah, that's right, virtually everyone. Well, where do you want to go? Well, what difference does it make? Because all we're going to be doing is looking in this machine anyway. Well, that's true. In the end, it's going to be tough to perpetuate this, uh, the species. There's no question about that. Well, we're going to enjoy looking in this box, and eventually we're all going to be extinct and die out. Well, that's how it ends, you know. He's got a good point. He's definitely not wrong, man. All right. Uh, like I said, for the pressers alone, I won't yeah. reach. You know how you keep Mickey? You want to know how you keep Mickey on staff? You go get the guy who throws it 70 times a game. That is a great way to get Mickey to stay. I, I, you get a lot of wide receiver development out there. You know how you beat 
the three schools that you hate most in the Big Ten? You get the guy who throws it 70 times a game because they're slow and only know how to stop the run. So I got a question for you for all. How much do you think the blue hairs of the state would lose their mind if Mike Leach was announced as the head coach? Um, do you think the state goes on fire? Do you think it's uh? I I think the olds go, set the state on fire. I don't I don't know about the rest, but uh, they'd have give to me get... Mike Leach. I, you know, I want to hear him break down the mascot fight of the conference. Oh yeah, that would be incredible. Because when he did it for the Pac-12, that was by far one of my favorite him Mike saying, Leach moments. The Cornusker versus the Buckeye? What is a Buckeye? It's a nut. It, it is It is nut, yes. Um, oh, no, a yellow bird? That's not even real? Uh, you got the Wolverine here. He's going to go hide. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? The Golden Gophers? What? Uh, what's Northwesterns? I can't even think of what Northwesterns Wildcat? is. Wildcat? Oh, the Wildcats, yeah. Well, it might be the Wildcat. Uh, farmers hunt wildcats and protect their livestock. Uh, you know, it's, it's still wildcat. Yeah, no, no. I think in Mike Leach's world, the only two that give Nebraska any trouble. Have you seen Purdue Pete? He is a creep. He's a boil maker. Show me on the doll where Purdue Pete touched you. Uh, no, in Mike Leach's breakdown, I think the only two mascots that give us trouble are the Spartans and Scarlet Knights. Oh, yeah, because they got armor and, and swords. Weapons. You know, we have a combine to run them over with. Oh, that's true. Then we'll be fine. We're, I, honestly, it's, it's a match made in heaven with the Cornhuskers and uh, Mike, Mike Leach. Leach. We can start passing the ball 90 times a game. We've got the wide receivers for it. We don't have the offensive line for it, which he's used to. You know, as long as we got a quarterback out there that can throw the ball, I think we And we'll you know okay. he's going to go find them. And a lot of time they have beautiful mustaches. Thank you, Garner Minshew. And he had a great set of hair on him, too. Yeah. Looked like Uncle Rico out there. Bet he could sling that ball a country mile. We'd have won state. Coach, Coach put, put him back in in, in 88. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Maybe Mike Leach is the guy we need to unite this fan base. Or do you think it's the other guy that we should be talking about? Unfortunately, it looks like it's not going to be Mike Leach. Okay. Um, Trev forgot to call us and get our opinion on this. He did, but okay. Let, let's talk about the guy that we think. I'm, I'm boycotting the program. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you, you want Leach that bad, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm boycotting. I mean, football. to be fair, Conrad wasn't a fan anyways. Yeah, that's true. So this is going to be a very easy boycott for him to do. Yeah. I'll get Just a not wear red. You could call him. Deal. Look, I don't even own a red shirt. All I'm going to say is for the first time in eight years, we just beat Iowa. And we did that by throwing the ball thanks to guys that Mickey brought in. I can't argue any if of those If you points. want to keep Mickey, get him somebody who's going to get more than one of his wide receiver the ball. I guess if you do throw it 90 times a game, it's going to get to somebody else. Yeah. I would hope. Can't guarantee that. We're going to get two big-arm quarterbacks because, you know, they're going to be on a pitch count every game. Huck it, chuck it, football. Yeah. That's Mike Leach's... Uh, that's his philosophy. And then the three times you run it a game, it's going to go for 90 yards. That, that's how it works. I mean, I'm good with uh, 270 yards a game as long as it's on three rushes. <laughs> Let's take a break here. When we return, we will talk about the next coach, Matt Rule, here on 1620 The Zone. There's a T-shirt of a headhunter a guy brought me from Borneo, which was kind of nice of him. 
He couldn't get me a shrunken head, so I got a T-shirt. Shop Woodhouse Place Hyundai and Nissan, 144th and Giles. KOZN Bellevue Omaha Council Bluffs. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and FCC Trucking. We got a caller here, so let's go ahead and uh, bring on the caller. Drake, you want to bring him on because you got the phone over there by you? Looks like Conrad already did. Oh, neat. He's doing his job. <laughs> I'm semi-confident. Well, that's okay. Who we got here? Uh, my name is Kira, and I'm a student at uh, Lincoln. Kara, what's going on? What you got for us? Um, I just had a couple of comments about the game uh, and Matt Rule. Uh, nothing was better than that win last night. I've been a student for five years. Uh, and I was a freshman when Scott Frost came in, and that win was just amazing. Tremendous win. Big big way to end the season and go into the off season, right? Yeah, and now I'm graduating in May, and I'm happy to have this win at least. Yeah, They, they had to send you off with a victory. That's a good way to end the uh, college career. And uh, my parents and I are watching college game day, and uh, they're going to have Matt Rule on to talk about his job. Crazy, right? It looks like uh, I think they just announced him or they should be announcing with the – I just seen a tweet come out. So, huge hire for the University of Nebraska, right? Uh, yeah, I'm excited about it, but we'll have to see what he does. It'll, it'll be interesting to listen to him talk about the uh, – you know, the if, if they talk about the process – when he's on there or what or just why he took the job would be would be great to hear at this point but uh hell of a coach and we're excited to have him that's for sure i wanted mike leach yeah you wanted leach but that's okay kara thanks for giving us call today we appreciate it happy to send you guys out with a victory yeah no it's a really great all right take care thanks for giving us call call back in congratulations on uh graduating something zach never did it took me eight years to do lots of people go to school for eight years we're called doctors (laughs) Thanks, Drake. Appreciate that. All right, Kara, take care. Thank you very much for calling us. You're not a doctor, though. That's true. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't even play one on TV. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk about our guy uh, Matt Rule, hired as the next head coach of the University of Nebraska. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad it came out while we were on air. I I am too. This was the one thing breaking I was hoping news. for. Breaking news. Uh, yeah, this is literally the one thing I hope for is that Matt Rule got hired when we were on the air. So um, I do want to bring up this tweet because it's a phenomenal tweet for from Huskers X's and O's on Twitter. Um, give him a follow. He, he's great. But uh, Matt Rule gave a speech at an AFCA uh, conference, and he brought up five points. And these are, I mean, things that we've overlooked the last eight years for sure. I would even go back the last 20. But number one is don't beat ourselves. Common sense, but it is what it is. Number two, make special teams special. Number three, dominate the trenches. Number four, win the toxic battle. Turnovers and explosive plays. Number five, be great at situational football. So, um, you know, number five, situational football. Third down, touchdowns in the red zone. Fourth quarter shutouts. um, Win the middle. uh, The last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. So uh, a lot of good things there that, that are, we've been overlooking quite a bit. Um, I'm going to go back to number four, win the toxic battle. 
It was just a combination of winning the turnover rate, which Nebraska traditionally loses, and the explosive play battles, and holding players accountable. Number three, dominate the trenches, run the ball, stop the run, protect the quarterback, hit theirs. In Matt Rule's mind, 40 sacks on the year equals 10 wins. Number two, make special teams special. Talk about everybody hates special teams because it seems like it's the one arena that can only hurt you and doesn't seem to ever really help you. But the, he talked about the importance of having starters on the special teams. And important note, his um, special teams units were one of the best in the country in blocked field goals. And then number one, don't beat ourselves. The first way to win is to not lose. Simple enough, but something we haven't done. Um, And avoiding the big three. False starts, alignment penalties, and offsides on defense. If that's what Matt Rule is bringing to the table, which it sounds like he is since he was just hired as the next head coach of the University of Nebraska, I am all on board with that. It's the complete opposite of what we've been taught. Um, and one thing I wanted to bring up because previous head coach brought this up, we want to have Oregon speed with Nebraska or Husker power. What was the map for that? Or what was, what were the steps to get there? We never got that. No. And you know, we've talked, we've talked about this extensively when we came out and made statements like that, the, the staff was not dedicated to the process. And what I mean by that is we were not dedicated building each block by block to build the house. It, you know, we use the house reference a lot on this show and everybody else does too. But at a certain point, we were just slapping new paint on it, not even checking out the electrical, not checking out the plumbing. Matt Rule has to tear this thing down. And one of the things that I like about the Matt Rule hire, I sent you and Fitz the article one day. The way he recruits is a little bit different. But, you know, uh, it, it, there's some analytical recruiting that goes into it. I forget the the title of the metrics that they use. I say, we'll um, have to find that and put that out because it's a yeah, phenomenal read. I, it came from Nebraska uh, 24-7. I don't remember the name of the recruiting rankings that they use, but you know who else was up as high as Baylor was when he was there? There was like four schools in the same realm. Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, in Texas, they and Baylor, they were all in this 3.4 to 3.8 area, and I think five was the highest you could go, and three was average, and they were all well above average. That's the style that Matt Rule recruits. You, We might not have a top five recruiting class or a top 25 recruiting class based on stars, but you know what we're going to have? We're going to have the athletic freaks that he thinks he can mold into being great linemen, being great skill position players, elite speed. They're going to take your track speed versus your Nike combine speed. It's yeah. actually the Oregon speed with the Nebraska power yes. that we've heard about because it's built through the offensive and defensive lines. One of my favorite Matt Rule quotes is, hey, I'm going to go find athletic freaks, and if I miss on an athlete, like if I bring in the wrong kid and it's a miss, I want to know early. I don't want it to take a long time to figure out. And at a place like Nebraska where we need results, Today, that's the kind of coaching you need. I, I have been very quiet about this hire. Uh, he he obviously was not the top of my target list, but that doesn't mean it's not a great hire. No, he was he was definitely my top three as as I let it kind of grow on. Yeah, me, the last yeah. Probably, I've stuck I've stuck firm to my original top five. 
I right. mean, we, we've heard inklings for what the last two, three weeks now. Yeah, I mean, we we got a text on Wednesday that it was pretty much a done deal. Yeah, so we, we've known about it for a bit now, and, and after you look into him, you're like, you know what? His first year is traditionally terrible. That you're usually taking over a bad football team. He's taking over Temple. He's taking over uh, Baylor. Coming off the Bryles incident. He took over the Carolina Panthers, which I'm not even going to bring that into the equation because it's a, it's a completely different thing. Um, and let's not forget, like, the way he wants to build a team probably doesn't work in the NFL, and he had to learn that the hard way because everybody in the NFL is a freak. It, yeah, you're getting the 1% of the 1% in the NFL. Uh, one thing that you brought up about the analytics um, and, and how Matt Rule recruits, he does get these real long, twitchy athletes that – if he's going to fail, he's going to fail pretty spectacularly with those guys. And they're going to develop to to the, the degree that they're going to develop in college under rule. Now, obviously, you know, you, I saw you tweeted out last night. One of the most important things for Matt Rule right now is to assemble his staff. His number one recruit has to be a couple of guys on staff right now because they have ties to where he wants to go recruit. They've recruited those areas well for Nebraska in one season. He's got to try and keep as many of Bill Bush, Mickey Joseph, and Brian Applewhite as he wants. Yep. If he has somebody that he trusts more, I'm all for it. I'm all for going to get the guys you trust more. The thing I love about this hire that I I didn't love about the Scott Frost hire, I didn't really love about the Mike Riley hire, is he's not bringing in an entire staff with him at once. I think there's going to be a couple holdovers. And if there aren't, it's probably because our guys decided they didn't want to stay. That's fine. It's it's what's best for them and their families. But Matt Rule is somebody that I trust to be able to come in, build a staff, and get things done. I don't think it's going to take a long time because he's inheriting a full roster. At Baylor, he inherited a roster with 45 scholarships. Temple is Temple. It, it is what it is. I mean, Scott Frost turned UCF around and went 12-0 and in two years. Like, traditionally Matt rules track record, you know, a bad first year, taking over a bad program. Second year, you're about 500. Third year is when you traditionally see the boom with him. Now, if Matt rule does what he has traditionally done, and he's done it at multiple stops now, year three is traditionally the year where you see the boom anyway. Mm -hmm. If we get the guys in here, um, th there is talent on that roster. Keep in mind, Matt rule did not have, a transfer portal either that's that's and that's the the biggest outside of nil i think the biggest game changer for a head coach taking over right now and multiple coaches have brought it up nil is a key component to recruiting a coach to come to you now you know your top three recruits like you said mickey's number one i would say apple white's two um and, and bush is three in that order because mickey's the guy you got to keep uh now whether the next coach decides that or not uh, rule I feel like the continuity of the staff, usually you keep about two holdovers from the previous staff. If it's Applewhite and, and Mickey, phenomenal. I would love to keep Bush in some form or fashion, though. Yeah, absolutely. So I I went through this, and I know we're up against it, but I went through some of the most successful new coaching hires of the last couple of decades. We'll say, do you want to take a break, and then we can just tie yeah, it yeah, on Yeah, we'll bring half. it back. We'll bring cool. it back. Let's take a break here. We're going to continue the um, conversation about the new head coach of uh, Matt Rule being uh, brought on to the University of Nebraska here after the break. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone.
Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. Well, let's wrap it up, boys. <laughs> All right, big news today. Uh, obviously, Matt Rule coming in to take over at Nebraska. We hope that he uh, can keep a couple of guys on staff if if that's agreed upon by all parties. Um, you hope Mickey wants to stay. What What's your initial gut reaction? Do you think Mickey wants to stay or no? I mean, I'm going to take Mickey at his word. Granted, he said what he's supposed to the entire time of uh, playing good soldier and saying, I want to be here. Um, I, I do really feel like he does actually want to be here. Uh, Priscilla, his his wife, as many of you have known and interacted with, has done a great job of, um, as a family, they've planted a lot of roots here mm-hmm. in the in the Lincoln community and we're in Omaha, obviously, but in the community. And I think it's something that they'll want to be around for. I realize it may not be the head coaching spot, but I do feel like Mickey will be compensated accordingly with not only monetarily, but whatever responsibilities um, yeah. he's going to want. Yeah, and we said at the beginning of the show, it, you got to start the process of grooming him to be a head coach. That's got to be part of what keeps him here. Uh, he's proven that that he can take on more responsibilities than he's ever been given. Um. Man, I just the the future once again, you know, as a fan base, we we live and die with optimism. So the future the future once again is bright, quote unquote bright as we look forward. Um it it's going to be interesting. I what my question is what kind of coordinators can Matt Rule bring in? Uh one of my bigger bigger two position questions are Who's he going to bring in for offense flying coach? What's he going to do with the strength and conditioning department? How are we going to elevate that? Uh, you heard Scott Frost and company talk about that at the very beginning when they got here is we were 20 years behind from from when they got here. I can't imagine based off of the the way things have gone that we've caught up. So what what are we going to do to catch up and change how we are building our players? Obviously, it's going to look a little bit different because we're going to be recruiting different. We're going to have a different style. That That's what I'm really curious about is what is this new style going to look like? I don't think the cupboards are empty for this roster, at least not at the skill position. I think you have a lot of skilled guys that are going to hang on a little bit longer um, and see where they shake out. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think Bill Bush did a great job this season. I think he put himself in contention for a potential D coordinator position. Um, if nothing else, we got... Like you, like you read that tweet. We got to make special teams special. We got to, we got to return punts, guys. It's the forgotten third part of the game that, as I said earlier, most people don't pay attention to because it's only viewed as something that can hurt you as opposed to something that can help you. Some of the most impactful plays are on special teams throughout the game. Yeah. You want a momentum swift or a momentum swing, have a big kickoff return or sink a, a 50-yard field goal or pin a guy inside the five-yard line You know, by your punter. Mm-hmm. We, they, they've got the, the punter for sure. I think Bleak Road had a rough night yesterday. It is what it is. He, uh, you know, he still he missed one. Other than that, was pretty clutch. Um, special teams has to be special again, and I think when that is the case and you see starters out there more and more and more, that's when you'll start to say Nebraska is – is fully going to be a competitive team again. Yeah, special teams obviously something that's been lacking for the last several years, unfortunately. But the, I mean, the line play 
and I I trust Matt Rule to go in and and tighten up the line play, um, get get some guys that can push people around. I think there's going to be some more go- cohesiveness moving forward with all of that stuff. We're uh, yeah, I just Matt Rule, what a hire! I. I, I've been very down on Matt Rule throughout this whole process, but as it became more and more realistic, you and I both have researched his name a lot more, and we feel very confident about it. I, I've, I've said this many a time since Trev has taken over, because I feel like Trev, as an athletic director, hasn't made any missteps. I feel like he played the Frost situation as well as he could with the donors involved. I feel like this is a tremendous hire, and it literally... It, Trev gave you the guidelines of what he was looking for. He gave you the roadmap. Matt Rule fits a lot of the things that Trev wants, um, specifically being a tough, gritty team that's tough in the trenches. Um, Trev gave gave us the roadmap, and and I think he made a hell of a hire. Um, The the Carolina Panther saga aside, which I could care less here or there, the NCAA game is uh, compared to the pro game is completely different um i i think what rule did in college at, at baylor and temple um development wise is exactly what nebraska needs we don't need implementers anymore there's nothing to implement we need a teacher we need a staff of teachers and i feel like if you have that this team can really blossom so let, let's go back and look at what he did at baylor at least from an offensive scheme i and I don't remember who was the OC back then. They ran a lot of the kind of spread option attack. RPO. Who is the who's the number one quarterback on roster that you think you have to keep for that? That is a great question. Um, I, I honestly don't know if they've got that guy on roster right now, which is scary to say. I I think Smothers can do it. That that was the one I was thinking of, but I just don't know if they trust him. But maybe actually under a different quarterback coach that he would fit the scheme for. You never know. And potentially Richard Torres as well. Torres is one that he's got the big boy arm. Um, His mobility is is interesting to me because he's a six-foot-five guy. If he can be a little bit more fleet of foot, I'd love to see what he can do out there. Heinrich Harburg, also a large guy with with supposedly a big arm, um, but was really good at track. So... There, there's a couple of different opportunities there. I think Matt Rule needs to get in. Obviously, one of the first things he's going to do is interview coaches, um, but also interview players and keep who he can as 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 he sees fit. I think he's going to be brutally honest with some guys and say, hey, I don't really have a spot for you if he doesn't. Um, I think that's where things need to lie. you got to cut the fat at this point. Yeah. Kind of ready. Do we got a caller? Uh, we do, but we also have to go to special coverage. Okay, well, uh, sorry, caller. We'll uh, hopefully get to you next time then because we're getting kicked off. So we'll, uh, we're going we're gonna to go to uh, special coverage now. Yep. So we are going to wrap this up and, and go to break and bring in another crew. Uh, thanks for listening today, and have a great, great Saturday. Enjoy the new hire. Yeah, we'll talk to everybody later. Have a good weekend.